You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Andrew Kaplan. That sounds so weird. You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Cappy. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Just the Plate, a production of Beyond the Plate. Just the Plate is a short segment where chefs describe a dish or a recipe that is meaningful to them. Last week you heard from Chef Mark Rosati of Shake Shack. Mark is Shake Shack's culinary director. He's an incredible chef in his own right. Last count, Shake Shack had about 168 locations. Mark is a food fanatic. He travels all the time. As I mentioned in the last episode, please follow him on social media. It is quite entertaining at Mark underscore Rosati. And we talked about Shake Shack's social impact and what they do with the Madison Square Park Conservancy. So if you missed last week's episode with Mark, please be sure to check that one out. But for now, bolognese sauce. I'm going to keep this intro really short. Here's the deal. I was emailing back and forth with Mark, telling him about this segment, and I'm going to read you the email exactly how he sent it back to me. Also, thinking my five-year quest to perfect tagliatelle bolognese would make a great segment. Little known fact, but I'm completely obsessed with all things bolognese. Now, how can I say no to that? It's a good one. So with that, I'll stop talking. This is Just the Plate. Hey, this is Mark Rosati, culinary director of Shake Shack, and I'm here today sharing my trials and tribulations trying to master one of my favorite dishes of all time, the humble bolognese sauce. It's something that I've always loved as a kid. My family would take me out to dinner. If we went to an Italian restaurant, if there was like a, a lasagna bolognese on the menu or gnocchi like with bolognese sauce, I always ordered it. There was something about that amazing meat sauce that captivated me. And then when I was old enough to finally like be put in front of the stove without my parents worrying, I tried to make that. That was the first recipe I had to make. And my parents gave me a very simple recipe. It was like take canned tomato sauce, brown some meat, add a little bit of onion, let it simmer and then put that on top of pasta. And the only problem was I knew there was something missing because I wasn't getting that same like magical feeling where I had it in a restaurant. Fast forward a couple of years later, I'm uh, in New York City going to school, and I finally have the best bolognese in my life. It was at the restaurant Babo. And if anyone knows Babo, I mean, the Italian food cannot be any better there. To me, that became my absolute top-notch bolognese. For me to learn how to make that, I would always go and say to the uh, waiter, so I'm curious, like, you know, what kind of meat they have in this thing there? Like, oh, you know, they use beef, pork, veal. I'm like, okay, uh, canned tomatoes, tomato paste, tomato sauce. And they're like, I think it's canned tomatoes. Well, let me check for you. I had gotten so many different versions of this recipe from the same restaurant that I started to think there was something up. I started to think to myself, Potentially, they want to guard the secret of this recipe, and that was totally understandable. Over the next couple of years, off and on, whenever I want to make bolognese, I would always have the Baba one in the back of my mind, and I would always try to replicate it. I would try 100 different one things. Then the Baba cookbook came out, and I had the recipe. I'm like, this has got to be the definitive recipe. I went to make it, and there was something missing. I took a bite. I'm like, what gives? This is not the recipe. There's something totally off here. So... Back I went. I would sit at the bar, Baba, order more pasta, and I'd be sitting there puzzled. I'm like, how come mine isn't like this? But I would notice little things like, okay, their beef and like veal and pork is broken up more, and it's a little more saucy than mine. I see an herb. I think this is parsley. Okay, note to self, go back and try that. 
It wasn't until a few years after this, and we're talking a good like five years at this point that I've been obsessed with bolognese from Babo, trying to make it, trying to figure it out. I had met one of the prep cooks at Babo. He was working at a restaurant in Long Island, and the minute I heard that, we started playing the name game. It turned out we had a couple friends in common, so I said, hey, I got a question. Were you ever around there making that bolognese sauce? He's like, yeah, I was. Why? And I'm like, because I'm obsessed with it. I'm like, what can you tell me? And he told me one trick that I still use today that it's funny because I've, I've talked to other people at Bobo since then, and some do not know if this actually happens or not. But what he told me was they would take like a cut of veal shoulder, pork shoulder, and beef, and they would marinate those chunks in milk overnight. And, and the milk would start to break down the muscle tissue and soften it. The next day they would grind those. And that's what they use for the bolognese. The very last step of making bolognese, you have to add milk or cream to it and let that reduce. They save the milk they use to marinate the and break down like the cuts, and they add that back in. And I'm like, that sounds pretty genius. And knowing Italian cooking, how you're frugal and nothing goes to waste, that kind of makes sense to me. So that was one of the first things I tried for, say, version like 5.0 at this point of this uh, – bolognese sauce, and right away there was something different. Before, I was never at grinding like uh, primal cuts to make my bolognese. I was just buying it from the butcher. Right there, the flavor and intensity just went up a big notch. And again, there was something about that milk that pulled out proteins, pulled out blood, all that stuff that was going back in. It gave us this like kind of funky richness. I was getting a lot closer. And then I had my last two aha moments in the process. My friend, while he did not know exactly how they were making that bolognese, did work the pasta station at Bobo. And he said, oh man, here's what you're doing. Here's what they're not telling you. When you put the bolognese sauce in the pan to make the pasta, you have to add a little bit of fresh tomato puree to that. Get some good canned tomatoes, puree them, and add that into it. And what you're doing is you have a sauce that's been cooking for hours that's really rich, condensed, and tight. You're adding some freshness and some acidity to it, so it's helping open it up. Swirl the that around a pan, get it hot, add a little bit of butter to that, and that's your sauce. Cook your pasta. When it's done, add it to the sauce, and then cook it till the pasta and the sauce become one. It's nicely reduced and rich and coats the noodles. Take it off the heat, and then again, add a little more butter and a good handful of Parmesan cheese and emulsify that in. There you go. And that was the one thing I was missing. I would always add a little bit of cheese on top of the pasta, but the idea of adding that pureed uh, fresh canned tomato into the sauce as I was heating it up to make the pasta, it just opened up the flavor profile and made it a little more saucy. And then the butter and cheese that was emulsified into the pasta was the last key to it because it added a ton of richness that my pasta was missing. So right there, I had that, okay, I think I have it. I think I have it. And then there was one other person that gave me some very sage wisdom. It was Chef Mark Ladner, who was working at Del Posto at the time and then added a bolognese to his menu. When I tried it, I was like, wow, it's, it's, it's as magical as Babo, but different. So I asked him what he did it. Now, when making bolognese, there are a lot of different ways of how you can make it together. Some people will have you brown the meat first and then add the vegetables. And the, the whole reason is you're kind of searing the meat. You're getting a little crust forming, a little flavors developing as that crust forms on the meat. And then when you add the vegetables, they release water, which will remove the crust from the bottom of the pan. That sounded like it made a lot of sense. You'd build up a lot of flavor, and then you add your liquids, you add your tomato, and there you go. What Ladner told me they did was he actually cooks the vegetables first. He takes the classic celery, carrot, onion, finely, finely chops them. He says you can take 
The celery and carrot, you put it in a food processor and break it down. But those onions, they have to be done by hand or else they break down too much. They release too much water and you can't cook them properly. So I did that. He said, cover them with olive oil. And then let them go slow and low. He goes, when you think they're done, go another two hours past that. He goes, you don't want them burnt, but you want them to get very dark. And what he's saying is this is an Italian method uh, where you're making a quote-unquote sofrito. Again, onion, carrot, celery, slowly cooked in a lot of olive oil until it breaks down to the point of almost like a jam-like consistency. And he says you want it to be about the shade of, say, like uh, a beige. You want it to be intense and flavorful but not too dark. And at that point, you take that freshly ground meat, you mix it in, let that cook. Then you're going to add white wine. In Italy, they like to use uh, Trebbiano. It should be a good white wine, but it shouldn't be anything too fancy. Let that reduce down. Then the last thing you're going to do is add tomato paste, a little bit of stock. And once that's cooked down, add the milk, that same milk you use to uh, marinate the uh, cuts of the veal, beef, and pork overnight. And once that's reduced down, you're done. But the magic is because you're going to let those celery and carrots and onions go for almost three hours slowly, that's where you're building even more intensity and more flavor, more so than if you brown the meat like three times you just kept it glazing. It's really the vegetables that are adding so much deliciousness to the recipe. So if I had to give a recipe, I would say equal amounts of veal, veal shoulder, pork shoulder, beef shoulder. Uh, you want it to total about a, a pound, so about a third of a pound each. Let those marinate in milk to cover overnight. The next day, take them out, grind the meat, save the milk, and then you want to finely cut onion. Take carrot, say take one onion, take uh, one carrot and one celery. Take the celery and carrot, put it into the food processor, break it down fine. Take the one onion, cut it by hand, cook the onion, celery, and carrot in copious amounts of olive oil, nice and slow and low, and let it go for like three hours until it's completely cooked down and it's almost uh, beige in color. Add the ground meat to that. Let that cook for a few minutes until it's not raw anymore. Add about one and a half cups of good white wine. Let that reduce down. Then add about two tablespoons of uh, tomato paste, a quart of chicken stock, and let that simmer until that's reduced. That should take about 45 minutes. Then add that milk back in. And once the milk is reduced down, season with salt and pepper, make sure everything's in balance and you're done. When it comes time to make it, Take about two tablespoons of that bolognese per person, put it in a pan, take about uh, two tablespoons of tomato puree, put that in the pan, a little tiny bit of butter, and warm that all up until the bolognese loosens up and starts to taste, smell delicious. Drop your pasta. One of my favorites is I like a garganelli for my bolognese. Once the pasta is done, I drain it, put it into the sauce, and then cook them together until the sauce coats the pasta and is reduced. Take it off the heat. Add about a uh, half a teaspoon of butter and about a quarter cup of Parmesan. Just, just toss it really, really well until it's completely incorporated and emulsified. Put it on the plate, maybe a little more cheese on top, and you're done. So it's not like the color on the meat that really makes the big difference. That's what I've learned. And there's a, I've, there's a book, uh, Cooking by Hand, by Paul Bertole out in San Francisco. And his version uh, in his book is he has you do the meat first. And he has you like cook it add the vegetables to deglaze it, and then let it cook again until like the vegetables and the meat start to caramelize, and then add the wine and let that reduce, and then let it get to the point where the meat starts to sear and brown again. So he almost creates like the fond in the pan yeah. three times in the process. I've never had his per se. I've tried making. I think it's, it's good, 
But there's something about cooking the vegetables harder in this one and then keeping the meat somewhat soft in texture. Because I guess the other thing is you're, you're searing that meat really hard. And I think you're changing the meat fibers and the texture where you may be de- developing flavor that way, but the meat itself is going to be super dried out and crunchy. So I kind of like this version because I think, I think the best sauce, the meat is still like silky and velvety. So I, I kind of – I the other thing to try, and this will be my next step, is while I'm cooking out the sofrito, maybe sear the meats. And again, like to glaze it with chicken stock three times and see them marry that into the sofrito and see what that does. But on one hand, I sh- I'm sure that would make an amazing experience possibly. But on the other hand, I'm kind of old school and traditional where I, I can't imagine a grandma using two pots to make her bolognese sauce. Are you grinding? Are you grinding your? You're grinding your meat at home. Yes, I don't do it often. I don't do it often, but this is like the only dish that I really like. Roll my sleeves up and go all out. And I actually make this three times a year. And one time will be coming up soon because when spring's here, instead of like onions, I'll actually go and buy spring onions and ramps and cut those up fine and kind of and I I bring back the uh, the beef a little bit too and go heavier on the veal and the pork to make a little lighter so like those ramps and spring onions really shine through. And then I'll also throw like the ramp greens in when I toss it. It sounds like a project that's like you reap the benefits. It's so worth it. It is. And like the process, like the smells, it really is like something that like, you know, I'll clear my, my schedule on a Sunday and I'll just slowly do this. And because uh, again, like I'm going to have it probably for the next like couple of months. It makes so much and you only need so little to make the sauce with the pasta that, uh, for me, it's like it's like a labor of love, and then like actually, right now I do have some bolognese in my freezer. So, hey, if anyone ever comes over, man, it's like it's such a good meal to have in a pinch. Awesome, dude, that was solid. Thank you. I appreciate your time again, and have a good day. Uh, always a pleasure, Andrew. I'll talk to you later. All right, see you, Mark. Bye. Bye. Find more on Shake Shack at ShakeShack.com. This episode was produced by myself, along with Ian Cohen and Joel Eaton. You can find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Kathy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Just a Plate, a production of Beyond the Plate. I'm Kathy.